The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Woo, you ready? Quickly, let's go to 2 Peter chapter number 1 verse 12. 2 Peter chapter number 1 verse 12. So we started a brand new series four or five weeks ago talking about receiving and ministering healing. Amen. Uh, you may be at a place where you don't need to receive healing for yourself, but you want to minister healing to others. Man, this series is going to be of, of benefit to you. Amen. And so the Apostle Peter here is writing uh, to Jews who, in the first verse, says he had received uh, like precious faith. And so this is a group of believers uh, that the Apostle Peter, uh, you know, acknowledges that they have not been defrauded, you know, because God is not a respecter of person. So what he gave to Peter, you know, Peter acknowledges that it had been given to all these Jews, uh, and he calls it like precious faith or similar faith. Uh, faith is precious, uh, but he calls it similar faith. So the same faith uh, that Peter used to heal people with handkerchiefs and shadows in the book of Acts, that faith had been given to everybody. Amen. Amen. Uh, that faith has been dealt to all of God's children. That's Romans chapter number 12. Uh, verse 3. Amen. And so he says this. He's writing to these people. We have this faith. Uh, and he says this. He says, wherefore, I will not be negligent. So what he's getting ready to tell us, if he doesn't do it this way, it would be considered uh, negligence. And so he says here, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though you know them, so you have knowledge of them, and be established in the present truth. And so here we see the Apostle Peter saying uh, his responsibility really to this group of believers uh, is not to be negligent. And how is he not going to be negligent? He's going to be uh, not negligent by always reminding them. And really, that's what ministry uh, is about. You know, when we put together a conference, the objective or the goal is not just to have a conference. The objective or the goal of me standing up here and talk, right? I'm talking, is not to stand up here and talk. The objective and the goal is to get you to produce fruit. Yes, that's the goal. And how do we do that? We do that by bringing you into remembrance, washes of these things, so that you can be established in them. And when you're established in them, you're going to have a root system. And when you have a root system, you will produce the fruit. God wants you and I to live fruitful lives. That's the goal. This is what it says in English. Let me read it to you in NIV. He says, so I will always remind you of these things. That's what ministry is about. Yeah. Ministry is about always reminding you of these things. He says this. He says, even though you know them. So he's talking to a bunch of Bible gurus. He says, even though you know them and you're firmly established in the truth you now have, verse 13, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. And so God has called me to, to minister uh, a little bit different uh, in the body of Christ. I like to minister in series. And the reason I'm doing that is not because it's the latest, you know, fad is fashionable to come up with a series. The reason we do that is because I want to camp on one truth. So that all of us can camp on one truth and hopefully by the time we finish it, we are all established in that truth. 
Amen? Not just established, but we have fruit. That comes, uh, uh, God's goal uh, for his children is to also taste and see that he is good. Amen. He wants you and I to also be able to experience these things uh, in, in, with our five senses. Not just hear about them. Can I get an amen? amen? And the way you do that, you know, there's a thing, I talk about it a lot, called a psychological obsolence. And it's not that something is absolute or obsolete, you know. It's, it's because the, the marketers, you know, and I'm one of them, they're always trying to get something new. They're always trying to get something new. You know, I mean, we don't even sing some of the songs that were written in the 90s. Beautiful songs, that because even even the choir they're trying to get the, the latest one. It was the new one, you know. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is ah, it's old. Yeah. So hey, people are missing out on revelation because they're trying to get something new. They're trying to get something new, something that will tickle their flesh. And and really, God is not doing anything new. I hate to uh, be the one that burst your bubble. God hasn't done anything new. The only new thing that he's done, he's been doing for the last 2,000 years. It's called the new covenant. And if you get established in the new covenant, you have, a lot of people in the church are waiting for the turning of the year so that God can do something new. No, the only new thing he's been doing since Peter, since the apostles, since Jesus came back from the dead and he incepted the new covenant, it's the only new thing that he's been doing. And you and I need to be established in that. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so this is why we're going to be reading the same verses. Oh, I know that one. Well, if you really know it, you'd have some big burumangos hanging on the... Yeah, I know that one. All right. Listen to what it says. Let's go to uh, 3 John 1, 2. I need you to know it, know it. Know it, walk in it. Amen. It's the Greek way of learning, right? It's a Greek way of learning. It's different from us. Uh, when we go to university, they, they graduate you and give you a certificate if you're able to uh, 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 store information. And then when you go into the test, regurgitate the information. So you, you store that information, and then when you go into a test, they will have a question over there. What is soil erosion? Soil erosion is the washing away of... If you are able to do that, boom, distinction. Now with the Greeks, you are not getting certified just because you said it. Amen? You know, in our own education system, you can go to Harvard and get a, a, a master's in, in business administration and walk around, you know, walk around telling people, you know, I'm, I have an MBA, MBA. These kind of people in the Bible, they don't recognize that MBA. They recognize the MBA over here of a person who has no metric, who actually went and started a business. They will give them a, 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 an MBA because they are a master in business. <laughs> Real business. Can I get an amen? I'm not knocking, you know, the education, but I'm just trying to show you that when it comes to Bible, our goal is not to be able to recite John 3.16, but to live it. All right. I didn't like that one, but, you know. So here's, here's, here's another scripture we should, you know, strive to live out. Listen to what he says. He says, beloved, I wish, or this is God's will. He says, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, the way I meditate on these things and the way I, I, I really read scripture and I camp on one, one scripture is I, I, I amplify one word. So I may read this thing 10 times. And every time I read it, I'm amplifying one big word. So let me give you an example. You know, when I read it the first time, it will be, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So I've just amplified the beloved. And then the next one is, Beloved I. Who might be I? God. A wish. The, next, the third time I read it, Beloved I. Wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. The fifth time, Beloved, I wish above all things. Oh, so it's got to do with stuff. Right? Above all things that you, you know, pertain to, to your life, that you may prosper in those things and be in health even as your soul prospers. By the time I read it the 15th time, only then am I only starting to get really what he's trying to say. 
It's called meditation. But anyway, that was for free, right? His will is for us to prosper and be in health. That's God's perfect will. He wants you and I to be in health. And then he caps it off with these words, even as your soul prospers. That phrase, even as, is, is, is simply saying, uh, to the degree that your soul prospers. So you can only manifest uh, prosperity and health to the degree that your soul allows it to uh, uh, think in that way. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think poor, you, you, this verse won't change, but your life won't be aligned to this verse. Amen. I said, amen. You know, there's some people, God is saying, man, I want you to prosper, but they're thinking poor. And because you, your thoughts are poor, God can't help you. Remember the 12 spies? The 12, 10 spies? Is it 12? 12 of them in together with Joshua and Caleb, right? But 10 was the crazy ones. You don't want to be on the 10 spies network. The 10 of them said, we can't take this land. God was saying, hey, I've given you this land. But the 10 of them were saying, we can't. And because of that, God couldn't help them. God turned around and he said, you're right. Amen. And so we have to uh, submit our soulish realm, our mind, our will, our emotions to these truths. Romans 8 verse 11. He says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. That was the King James. Let me read it in English now. NLT. It says, the Spirit of God. You know, in King James, it makes it sound like it's a question. But if you read it in the NLT, you'll see that it's actually not a question. It's a statement of fact. And here is the fact. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Oh, man, that's good. Did you hear that? The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead has now found his residence on the inside of you. He lives on the inside of you. And then he goes on to say this. Just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living on the inside of you. And so we have all these truths, all these realities, I like to call them legal truths. Legally, all of us as God's children have a right to these things. But vitally, over here, the vital truth is this, is that only a few are experiencing it. Only a few. Legally, everyone has a right to it, but vitally, only a few are experiencing it. And what's the reason uh, 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 only a few are experiencing it? It is this, that you need faith to access and activate everything that Jesus paid for. It's going to take some faith. So let's go to Romans chapter number 5, verse 2. Romans chapter number 5, verse 2. <clears throat> You're going to need some F-A-I-T-H, some faith, right? It says in Romans 5, verse 2, uh, through whom, Jesus, also we have access. Someone say access. It says we, we have been granted access. How? By faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So there is a grace uh, that Jesus has, has released. I call it the grace arena, right? There is an arena filled with grace. And access, you know, just like in an, any stadium, any arena, you know, when you get to the gate, they're going to ask to see your ticket. Your, if you paid a ticket, they're going to scan the QR code and let you in. Just like that, for you and I to have access to, to the grace arena, we're going to need faith. He says we have access by faith into this grace. So for us to step into this arena where all these things are freely given unto us, all these things have been freely paid for and they are just waiting for someone to grab a hold of them, it's called apprehending that which is already apprehended for us. There's a grace arena with, with shelves upon shelves upon shelves of healing, shelves of healing, of limbs, of new organs. They're all in the grace arena. All the things that you may need for this life, finances, is over there in the grace arena. All you need is is to have the right password to have access into that arena. Amen. Another way to look at it is grace is the ATM of heaven. It's the heavenly, watch this, it's the unlimited heavenly ATM. 
Amen? Amen. Just like, you know, your ATM card, your check card, your credit card. If you want to have access to your account, which is limited, by the way, it doesn't matter how much is in there, it's got a limit. But this one we're talking about doesn't have a limit. And when you come into this one, you know, just like when you go into your one, you, you slip the card in, right? And then you punch in 4586. No, I shouldn't have told you that one. Forget that. <laughs> Whatever your one is, you punch it in, right? Whatever your one. Once you punch it in, what happens? You have access. If someone comes in and they punch in the wrong one, it's going to say no access. Wrong pin. And just like that, if you want to have access into the grace arena, you have to punch in F-A-I-T-H. Faith. How do you punch it in? Three ways you express faith. Number one, you think it. Faith is a thinking. It's not a feeling. It's a thinking. And then number two, you act it. Faith is an action. And then number three, faith is a speaking. Faith talks. Amen. I say cash talks, that was wrong. Faith is the one that talks. Amen. Amen. And so why do I say faith is a thinking? Because uh, the apostle James is trying to uh, tell us how, how not to live our lives in doubt. And he, he, he try, he's trying to show us a man that lives that way. And he calls him a double minded man because if you are not uh, 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 you know in, in, in singleness of mind you're not in faith so faith is a thinking how do you think I used to think faith was a feeling faith is not a feeling faith is a thinking when you line up your thoughts with God's word and not the six o'clock news you're not going to get uh, faith from, from the news or oh, just one amen over here you're not going to get faith from the news. You get faith from his word. And when you, how do you get it? You receive that word and you allow your thought life, your thought patterns to be aligned to the way God prescribes in his word. And when you do that, now you're a man of faith. And the second way you do it is by acting. Everyone that Jesus heals, he makes mention of their faith or their sort of belief. And everyone, every single one of them, acted out their faith. You know, he went to this, uh, this guy, he, he was blind uh, in his eyes, and so Jesus took uh, his own saliva, mixed it with the mud, and then put it on his eyes. I can assure you, there were no medicinal qualities in the saliva or the mud. Jesus was just trying to get the man to do something. Just trying to get the man to act out his faith. And so, when God tells you what to do, see, sometimes we get so far off on that grace. It's not even grace. It's just confusion. We get so far off on that other extreme. We don't even want God to tell us anything to do. We just want to, you know, sit on our laurels and just, you know, yeah, I'm in the grace room. Grace speaks. Grace is going to give you what I like to call grace instructions. He said, go wash. And as he took steps to the river of Ceylon and washed his face, he came back seeing. Now, if he had said, I don't like saliva, I don't like mud, and I don't like washing, he would have stayed blind. So faith is going to act out something. He goes, he meets these uh, uh, ten lepers, right? And he gives them a grace instruction. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go show yourself to the priest. The only time you were allowed to go show yourself to the priest was when you were declared healed. And, you know, everything has been restored. And so essentially Jesus is saying, act like you're healed. Go show yourself to the priest. And he says, as they went, as they acted it out, they were cleansed. And one came back running and worshipped God. And so faith, true Bible faith, is going to have some action to it. Can I get an amen? True Bible faith is not just mentally ascending what God is saying. Not just agreeing from a mental state. You start there, but ultimately you have to act it out. That's how you do it. And the third thing is, true Bible faith will say something. Yes. Amen. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 13. I'm reading in the NKJV, the New King James Bible. 
He says, and sins. Someone say sins. Now he's making a conclusion now, and he's already told you, right, that you have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's already told you that you're not defrauded. You are a person of like precious faith. And then he comes to this conclusion. He says, since that's true, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, and therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore we what? We speak. Listen, if you truly believe, you're going to say something. In fact, for the most part, you only say what you truly believe. You want to know what people really think? Take them out to eat and just listen to them. No, no, no. Don't, don't try to find out what they think in a religious setting like this because everybody knows how to act Christian. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How are you doing? Blessed. No. Take them out to eat out there and say, what's up? And they're going to really, really, really say what they think. You know why? Because God created the system to work that way. We always really speak what we truly believe. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. Watch this now. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Your mouth has been automated to say what you put in your heart in large enough quantities. Whatever you put in your heart in large enough quantities will find itself in your mouth and for the most part, it will surprise you. Whatever you put in your heart in large enough quantities will surprise you when you're under pressure. Because that's what you've really automated your heart and your mouth to say. What happens when someone cuts you in traffic? When you're under pressure, is it praise the Lord? Is it still praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Jesus said, bless those that cut you in traffic. That's what he said. Bless those that cut you in traffic. Listen to what he says in Romans 4, 17. So we've got to work on our hearts, right? What we put in our hearts. What did we say? Faith is a thinking. Faith is a speaking. And faith is a talking. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, this is God speaking, right? As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's grace speaking. What God did. Man, this is awesome. Notice he didn't say, as it is written, I am working on something to get you to be a father of many nations. Every time grace shows up, it's always, someone say always, always. it's always in the past tense. Every time, if it's true Bible grace, it's always been done. He didn't say Abraham, and by the time he showed up to Abraham, Abraham is 89 years old. Sarah is 79 years old. 79, 89, he's going to, no. Abraham is 99. Sarah is 89. So they're, they're fast approaching 100. And then God shows up and he says, I have made you a father of many nations. He didn't say, no, I'm working on something maybe this year after nine months. No, he said, I've already done it. It's a done deal. And so grace is the past tense of God's word. Everywhere you see, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters that talk of our positioning in Christ, it's written in past tense. If you go to the first two chapters of the book of Colossians, it's all written in past tense. It didn't say who's trying to translate you, verse 13 of chapter 1. It didn't say he's trying to translate you from the kingdom of darkness. No, who has translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. It's already done. And so God's part is already done. What's left is our part. Amen. Amen. And so we have this relationship between grace and faith. Really, it's two sides of the same coin. It's one coin. It's called the kingdom coin, right? And it's got grace on the other side and faith on the other side. Just like, you know, uh, if you take a five-round coin, 
You look at it, it's got two sides, right? And if you go and transact the five-rand coin, it's been given uh, as legal tender by the uh, Treasury in South Africa to transact uh, for goods to the value of what? Five rand. So if I go and I give it to someone, I'm going to get goods uh, that are worth five rand. But if I take a grinder and I grind one side off and I take it to try and buy things, they're not going to accept it because it is not legal tender. And so it is with people that are walking around with a grace coin that doesn't have faith on the other side. You're walking around with a coin that is not complete. Amen. And the good news, though, about this kind of kingdom coin is that it already comes with God's side imprinted on it. The only missing side is your side. This is why he goes on to say, be it unto you as you believe. You get to put the limit on this one. It just comes and it says coin. Oh, it's an awesome coin. It says no value. It just says coin on it. Is it five rand? If you make it five rand, you can make it one million. You can make it five million. Be it unto you as you believe. You get to put the limit on this. Not God. God doesn't put the limit on it. Grace is unlimited. And as the early church... The early church started to flirt with this idea and they started to figure out, man, this thing called grace is unlimited. They were laying hands on the sick at the beginning of, of Acts, right? They went to the gate called Beautiful. Uh, Peter and John, they saw this impotent man right outside. They laid hands on him, look on us, they touched him. And they, as they were, you know, flirting with this thing, this revelation I'm sharing with you, they realized, oh, there's no limits. Oh, how about we do it on handkerchiefs? So they started putting this thing on handkerchiefs. They started sending it to handkerchiefs. And they said, oh, it works. How about shadows? Let's try shadows. It's unlimited. This thing has no limit. What are you going to use it for? Now, for you and I, we even have a better. I use it on WhatsApp messages. I say, hey, as you read this message, you're going to get healed. And people read the message, they get healed. They say, man, pastor, you must have some special. No, it ain't no special. It's the limit that I choose not to put on the grace of God. How about putting it on emails? They put it on handkerchiefs. How about putting it, send healing emails? Let's send healing emails to people. The power of God has no limit. It is the limit we put on it that becomes the limit. Amen? And so this coin called grace and faith, man, when it gives us, uh, it's a legal tender for us to transact in the kingdom of God. And so faith is on your side of the ledger to respond to what Jesus has already done by grace. Can I get an amen? And so he says here, uh, verse 17, right? As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. So Abraham believed God. He didn't believe his circumstance. Who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not in the natural as though they were. So God, he is how God functions in faith. Man, this is good. Man, I'm glad I came today. This is good. God calls those things which be not in the natural as though they are. Did you see that? That's what he does. When he comes, God doesn't, God is not just uh, going to make a social commentary about what's going on. And, 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 and God has called you not to be that way. He hasn't called you to just be a social commentator. Because he has given, he has put power in your words. He has called you to be a divine orchestrator. And there's a difference. Man, there's a bunch of people that can make a commentary about what's going on. But it's going to take faith to speak of things that are not as though they already are. He says, I've made you a father of many nations. Now, if Abraham had looked around, there were no children in the natural, but God speaks of those things which are not as though they are. And now, you and I, uh, how do we, you know, appropriate this principle? Man, I've got to be careful here. I'm not just saying you can go around randomly speaking of things that are not as though they are, because that's lying. What I'm saying is, you speak things that are not in the natural, but they are a reality in the spiritual. You know, I called somebody. I said, man, where are you? How far are you? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 minutes. I'm going to be at the office. And then they got to the office 15 minutes late. I said, man, you were five minutes late from the time you took. He said, no, pastor, I was just speaking of things that are not as though they are. <laughs> no, that's not how you apply the Bible. 
Man, people are using scripture to try and... No, that's not how you apply it. You apply it by finding a Bible verse. Now, listen to this. Ooh, man. He says, verse 18, who against hope? This is Abraham now. It's saying Abraham against all natural human hope. So, in the natural, there was, you know, sometimes you get into a natural circumstances and there's a little bit of hope, a little bit of a glimmer of hope. That's what we call it, right? From the natural circumstances, you say, man, this is bad, but at least there's that natural. Now, for Abraham, it was against all natural human hope. Dude was 99 years old, Sarah 89, never had a children. She was barren, certified. She had the thing from the doctor, certifiable. She's barren. She can't have children. This is a no good situation. No hope from the natural. But watch what he says. He says, who against natural human hope believed in hope. What kind of hope? Supernatural, godly hope. Bible-based hope. So his hope was not in the natural circumstances. His hope was in the word of God. And he says, because of that, that it might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Listen, most of you, you know, you, you, you're going to have dreams. You're going to have things, you know, come at you that, that really are going to put you under pressure not to believe God, but to go with the circumstances. Life, the enemy really, the, the only strategy he has is to pull you from functioning at a higher level, a spiritual level, so that you can function at a natural carnal level. And when you start functioning at a natural carnal level, you put limits on you, and man, he can whip you. He will defeat you in the natural realm. And so my wife and I, uh, 2020, 21, 2000, last year, 2021, you know, we had our own dreams, we had our own goals that I believe were God-inspired. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted to pay off one of our investment uh, properties, little thing, because we wanted to invest that money into someone else. And so we were, uh, you know, through our uh, uh, business, we were expecting some deposit in a specific month, a big deposit that was going to come in, and that was the money we were going to use to leverage and you know pay this this sucker off and then you know we 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 that didn't happen because of covid didn't happen because of covid and we looked at each other and for a day we were a little discouraged because man this didn't happen we expected this to happen and god spoke to the both of us separately he said who's your source is this thing your source and both of us came to the conclusion that that thing was not our source and by the time evening came we were back celebrating back enjoying and saying god is our source our confession changed from how are we going to make it how are we going to keep up with the with the goals that that, that we have set how are we going to do this to hey praise the Lord, God, our God is our source. That was a new confession, right? And then in that new confession, a few months didn't go by, I think maybe two, uh, uh, and uh, we got a call uh, from abroad overseas. Someone else was offering us a new put, uh, a business opportunity uh, for us to do some consulting work, and we were going to make uh, uh, a little bit of uh, income there that was going to help us. So my wife and I were excited. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. And we have a figure in our head. We have a figure that we are expecting from this deal. And then as we were you know, on Zoom and negotiating, Negotiating and talking things through, they gave us a figure that was uh, a double what we had in our minds, right? And they told us, okay, this is what we're willing to pay uh, for, for this kind of work. And then we looked at each other and just kind of, man, I had to pinch my wife. I said, just chill out, just chill out, just chill out. <laughs> nobody dance, nobody dance. We're still on the call. You know, we're on, we're on video. They can see us. So I'm just saying, chill out, chill out. We're going to chill out, right? But, but here's the thing is that the conversation, before the conversation, before the conversation was over with, they actually turned around and they said, actually, what we offered you, uh-uh, we're actually going to double what we offered you. And then I said, ooh, this, this has got to be God. And then God whispered to us again. He said, I am your source. And I looked towards heaven. I said, Lord, I'm sorry for doubting you. I'm sorry for putting five rand on that gold coin. I'm the one who was limiting you. I'm the one who specified the figure. Not you. God is giving you a blank check. And sometimes you allow your background. Sometimes you allow your circumstances. Sometimes you allow your previous dealings to limit your expectation from God. Amen. 
And so because that happened, we were able to speed up uh, the thing and, and do what we, we needed to do in that particular year. And, you know, we were, we were really tempted to be disappointed, but God changed our confession. And because of that, we, we found uh, freedom and victory. Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 18, verse 21. Listen, your circumstances are trying to uh, pressure you into confessing limitation. And it's sad to say that for the most part, most of the church is hung by the tongue. I refuse to say I can't do something. You will never catch me saying I can't do something. You won't catch me saying, you know, we're working on writing songs, right? And one of the songs that, you know, I wrote, they asked me to sing on it. Because they wanted reference of what it's going to sound like. Not for the public to hear. Just to, you know, say, sing, sing it the way you wrote it. I said, I'm not going to say I can't. I said, give me the mic. I did my thing. And they worked on it with the autotune. Man, praise God for autotune. They worked on it. Sounds, it sounds beautiful. But I learned a lesson from that. Never say I can't. Never hang around people that are always saying, I can't. Don't hang around the I can't crew. Don't do that. Hang around people who are full of possibility. Amen. Amen. I said, Amen. And when you hang around those, man, God will begin to challenge you. You know, one of my uh, close friends uh, is, is Ashley Terradis. We're really, you know, uh, close. It's not just an internet thing. It's not Facebook thing. We're really close, you know. Uh, and the reason I like Ashley is because he challenges me. He's one of the uh, uh, biggest givers that I've ever... I'm, I'm a big giver myself. I think I am. He's, he's a... He, he will, he will, he will, I mean, it's scary, some of the things he does. He just goes, man... And, and so they, they're buying a property, and I was getting excited about that and partnering with them. And so I partnered. You know, last week I partnered. And then uh, they came on and did a live broadcast, and they said, you know, we believe in God for uh, uh, 300 partners. Because, I mean, they... People partnered, they went over 300,000, 360, you know, thousand US dollars, which is already halfway what the target is. It's a beautiful property. Uh, and, and man, it's, it's a special property. You'll get to hear about it soon. And uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there uh, and I partnered. And this week the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, why don't you partner again? When he came on, he said, we're left with 300,000. We just believe in God for 300 people that will give 1,000. And the Lord said, you are one of the 300. That's what the Lord said to me. And then there was a thought in my head said, no, you're not. You're just an African. One of the 300, you. You're just an African. You can't be one of the 300. This stuff is for Europeans and Americans. They are the ones that can afford a thousand U.S. dollars. And this was on Thursday. And I said, I agree. That was on Thursday. I agreed with a limiting thought. And then I went to work, and this thing is, is bugging me. It's on me, right? And I went to work. We had our staff meeting on Friday. And after that, you know, I'm sitting there, and the thought came back. He says, man, you're one of the 300. <laughs> the other thought came. He says, no, you're not. You're just African. You can't afford. You're just an African. You can't afford. And I said, I agree. And then on Saturday, yesterday, the thought is with me. You know, I'm meditating on stuff. Everywhere I go, I'm just meditating on it, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. You're one of 300. Man, today I woke up, and I was angry. I said, man, I agreed with the limiting thought for three days of my life that I'll never get back. I said, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it right now. And we did that partnership thing, and I know there is... A huge breakthrough that's coming but the reason I did that was not for the breakthrough. The reason I did that was because I'm a giver. Not only that, God is my source and not only that, I have access to the bank of heaven. So I never run out. Never run out. And the other reason I do that, this is going to be a nugget that, that will change some of your lives. You know, I was talking to Q uh, uh, at the golf range. No, it wasn't the golf range. It was short game practice. And uh, we were talking, and he asked me a question. He says, how do you uh, make sure that you don't get sucked into all these other uh, scandals and all this nonsense that, you know, some ministers end up in? I said, that's simple. He said, how do you do that? I said, I don't ever focus on, on faith in church. That's not my life focus. He said, what do you mean? I said, if you read Luke 16, verse 12, it says, He that is faithful in what belongs to somebody else will be faithful in, will be given that which belongs to them. 
And so I say to him, the word faithful simply means this. It means to be trustworthy. It means to be honest. But here's something else it means. It means to be passionate about somebody else. God hasn't created you to be passionate about your so-called dream. You see, this is where young, a lot of young people mess it up. They come to my office and uh, they sit in my office and say, Pastor, right now I'm all about uh, chasing my dream. You know, I'm chasing. And I'm sitting on the other side. I'm, I'm a little more mature than that. And I'm sitting on the side and I really want to help them, but I can't because I know they're not going to listen. And I'm sitting on the side and I'm trying to help them. And what I'm trying to say is this. God hasn't called you to chase your dream. God has called you to make somebody else's dream your passion. And when you do, God will take care of your dream. Let me explain what I mean. Let me explain what I mean. My wife went to meet the owner of Nando's, right? The founder. And the owner of Nando's and he came in with his shorts. And you know what his real passion is? His real passion is not chickens. His real passion is helping farmers in Mozambique and Zimbabwe produce and Malawi produce the chili that they use to do Nando's. That's his passion. That's the thing he's talking about. He's talking about these farmers, how awesome they are, what he's going to do for them next year. And then while he's focusing on that, God is taking care of the chickens. Let me, let me give you another example. If you belong to a, to a value chain, right? This is in business. You have a value chain. You have the originator, the producer, that passes the thing on to the wholesaler, and that passes the thing on to the retailer, and it, it's on the uh, uh, lap of the uh, final customer. If you want to mess it up for yourself, focus on your own part of the reach uh, of, the, of the chain. But if you are of the value chain, but if you are smart, you go with Luke 16, verse 12, you know, if you are a supplier... You, you don't focus on just pushing boxes. You go to pick and pay and make sure pick and pay is making it happen. They're killing it. If they kill it, guess who else is going to kill it? You see, you see, you see, I think, I think a little different than most people. Now, in ministry, how do you get God to prosper your ministry? You get God to do it by you being passionate about somebody else's ministry. This is why, if you care to pay attention, when you watch me preach at Carrie's, I never, ever mention Faith Your Church. Never. Never bring my books. Never. None of that. Never tell them where we meet or what times we meet. Because I'm not there to promote Faith You. I'm there to add to what Andrew is doing. Oh, that's good preaching. When I go over there to Faith Broadcasting TV, hardly ever mention Faith Your Church. Unless I'm asked. Then if you ask me, I'm going to give you information. But I'm not there to talk about faith, you. I'm there to talk about somebody else's dream. And the reason you got to do that, here's the reason, here's the method to the madness, is that if you focus on chasing your own dream, you can unknowingly turn your dream into a little God. And God says, my glory I share with no other. And when you turn your little dream into a God, you bring that dream into harm's way. Now, God is not fighting your dream because he's fighting your dream. He's fighting your dream because it's trying to be God. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make you pay for that. That was just... So that's how I think. And so, you know, you're going to see me passionate about terrorist ministries. I'll be passionate about all these different things. There is a method to the madness. And while I'm passionate about that, God is bringing up other ministers who get passionate about this. And I mean, it's, it works like a charm, right? And, but you've got to get in the groove and understand these things. Now, Romans, where did I go tell you to go? Proverbs. Ooh, Proverbs 18.21. We're going to wrap it up in five. Five minutes, is that okay? Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life is in the power of the what? Of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So essentially what he's saying is you eat the fruit of what you say. But beyond that, he says death. So let's, let's assume this is death. And he says life. This, this, these are the furthest extremities in the earth. There's nothing further than death and life. You are either dead or you're alive, right? So death is over here. Life is over here. And here, the writer of Proverbs, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives us a principle. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. In other words, your tongue, the words that you speak, determine whether you're going to receive life into your life or death into your life. In other words... With your mouth, you can literally, Ezekiel, bring dead things back to life. Amen? Not 
with somebody else's mouth. With your own mouth. You can bring over there things that were dying and ailing in your life. You can drag them and bring them over here to the realm of life. If you learn how to use your words right. On the flip side, you can also take things that were over here in the realm of life and take them by the ear and drag them one word at a time, one negative word at a time, one word of doubt at a time, one word of destruction at a time. You can drag them all the way to over here to the realm of... God blesses you with a, with a marriage that's beautiful, flourishing. I mean, this thing is flying, destined for greatness until somebody started speaking words of destruction. This is the worst thing I ever done in my life. This husband, Lord, is rude, he's stupid, he's crazy, he's, he's, he's dumb. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. So you got a good man over here. That's the truth. You got a good man. Don't argue with me. You got a good man over here. <coughs> Amen. You, they say behind every good man is a, is a good wife, right? You want to know what a man really is like? Look at their wife. Because the Bible tells us to shower our wives with the water of the word. Do you know what that means? That means you are the, you are the one responsible for your wife's self-esteem. If your wife is just, is just wimpy and she's just hiding, when people come, she's just... You, you are the problem. <laughs> Okay, all right. They don't, they don't. All right, okay, let's, let's. They may not come back next week. What, what, what are you saying to her? Amen. When God gave you the woman, she was beautiful, glowing. We came to the wedding. We know what she looked like. We know what she really looks like. We were there at the wedding. We know what she really looks like. Everybody, when she walked in, everybody said, wow. Everybody. Now, when she walks in, everybody says, wow, but not wow, wow, just wow. And all of that happened because of the words of your mouth. Can I get an amen? Some of you were praying and believing God for a job. It was the job of your dreams. And you said, Lord, some of you made vows. You said, Lord, if you give me this job, I will love you forever. You didn't have to, but you took an extreme, right? You made a vow. Lord, you, God doesn't need any of our vows, but because you wanted to really make your prayer request strong, you said, Lord, if you give me this one. I will not miss another Sunday morning. And then the Lord gave you the thing. When the Lord gave it to you, watch this. When the Lord gave it to you, he wrapped it in a beautiful box. He put two little ribbons on it. It was the perfect job when the Lord gave it to you. And you joined that company. You started hanging out with the Weekenders death crew over here. The death crew started changing your confession. You started talking bad about your boss. Man, is this, is this still a great sermon? Is this a great sermon? This is a, you started talking bad about that company. You started talking bad about that job. You started doing all of that, right? And what you did is you, you dragged that job from the realm of life all the way over here to the realm of death. And now the thing, you hate the thing, not because it's a bad deal, but because of the words of your mouth. Amen. amen. I said amen. And so he says over here, death and life. Okay, let's wrap up with this. Go to Genesis. Genesis chapter number one. Let's go to Genesis. I'm going to end with this, and then we're out. We're out of here. I promise you. Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Listen to this. In the beginning, or beninging, right? <laughs> I, I, I just heard that. In the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if I was writing the Bible, now pay attention to this. This is strong. It's going to change your life. 
If I was writing the Bible, I would have said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then start listing the catalog of the things that he created, birds, land, these waters, this, this, just list the catalog. No, not, not, this is, that's not the way God wants us to read this thing. Look at how God wants us to read this thing. Let's go to verse 3. Let's go to verse 3 in the New King James Bible, if you will. <clears throat> Am I reading in the New King James? Yes, yes, yes. I want us to read those uh, first three words together. Ready? Read. Then God said. Now, after God said, I want you to see what happened. Verse 4, I want us to read the first five words together. And God saw the light. Now, go with me to verse 6. First three words. Ready? Read. Then God said. The, the last uh, 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 four words in verse 7. And it was the first words, uh, three words in verse 9. Then God. The last three, four words in that same verse. And it was the last uh, six words in verse 10. And God saw that it was. Verse 11, first three words, then God said. Last four words, and it was so. Verse 14, first three words, then God said. Uh, verse 18, the last six words, and God saw that it was good. So it seems every time God says, he sees. And he sees that it was good. That's the principle. The principle is whatever you say, you will see, and it will come good. It doesn't mean good as in it's going to be nice. It means good as in that word will be made good. So if you say he's an idiot, you will see an idiot, and, and, and the principle, and the principle will be good. To your word. And so, after God did this, it says in verse 26, I really am rushing now, verse 26, and God, in fact, I don't have to rush. They're selling lunch after service, so you can buy lunch after service, you know. But let me, let me, let me show you this. I just need to show you this, and, and we'll wrap it up. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image. Circle that word, underline it, put a chewing gum on it, whatever you have to do. You, you're going to need to remember that word. He says, let us make man in our image. Image speaks of the nature of God. God is a spirit. So when God created you, he crea created you to be a spirit being. So what you see on the outside, that's not the real you. Even unbelievers know that. That's why when someone dies, they say he's gone. Even though they have this outer shell, they know the real person is not this outer shell. So God created you to be a, a spirit being. And not only that, he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And likeness speaks of how God functions. His mode of operation. And so not only did God create you to be a spirit, he created you to function the way that he functions. So he created us to be speaking spirits. We are the only creation in the earth that has the ability to speak. And when we speak, we create. You know, dogs don't speak. What do they do? They bark. Uh, lions don't speak. They roar. But human beings speak. We are called speaking spirits. Amen. We have the ability to speak. And really, when God gave us that ability to speak, it was for one of two reasons. Speaking primarily wasn't... Now, nah, this is going to blow your little boat out of town. Speaking primarily wasn't for communication. Why? Because when God gave Adam the ability to speak when there was no one to talk to. Speaking was to give Adam the ability to worship and also the ability to create. And so when God gave Adam the ability to speak, it was not so he could talk. No, it was so that he could worship and so that he could also create. Go with me to uh, 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 Genesis chapter number 2, verse 19. So after Adam created, after God 
Adam was created by God. He was given the ability to speak, right? Right? Now watch what happened. God gave him a practice session. Verse 19. God gave him a practice session. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So picture it this way. God creates this long uh, 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 animal. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alligator, right? It's a, it's a crocodile, long mouth, and, and he brings it to Adam. It has no name at that point. He brings it to Adam, snap, snap. Adam, what do you call this? Adam, crocodile. And God said, because you called it a crocodile, it's going to become a what? A crocodile. And then he brings another big mammal. It's got a long trunk and a tail and big uh, ears, you know, that flap like this. And he says, Adam, what are you going to call this? And Adam calls it what? Uh, an elephant. And whatever Adam called it, that was the name thereof. Now, hunt your neighbor and ask them, what have you been calling it lately? You, you, when, uh, what have you? The things, the things, the things that, the things that the Lord is bringing into your life, what are you calling them? Because here's the principle, whatever you call it, it becomes. God is not going to argue with you. Whatever you call it, it becomes. What have you been calling your marriage? Because whatever you call it, it becomes. What have you been calling your health? And man, people allow all kinds of people to call them something and they start calling themselves those things. I was saying in the first service, you know, you have a bunch of people that call themselves. They say, I am, uh, uh, what's that sugar thing? Uh, uh, I, I am diabetic. And then the principle is, whatever you call it, it becomes. Man, you've got to flip it. You've got to start confessing God's word and say, I am the beloved of the Lord. That's a different I am. I am God's workmanship created for good things. You've got to change. Whatever you put after that I am, you'll never catch me saying I'm broke. I am not broke. I'm prosperous. Never catch me saying, I am sick. No, I might have a, a little health challenge here and there, but I am the healed of the Lord. You never catch me saying, I am ugly. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. You may not agree with that, but that's your own story. I'm not going with your estimation of me. I'm going with God's estimation of me. It's called calling those things which be not as though they are. And as you begin to speak them, yes, this is what it says. He says, whatever you call it, it becomes. Whatever you call it, it becomes. And so we need to start learning. Man, some of you have allowed people. I'm not a doctor by any stretch of imagination. But man, I don't allow anyone else to speak into the life of my children. I mean, they've got all kinds of things that they have these days for children. And some of you have allowed these people, professionals, to call your, your children uh, uh, autistic. And some of you, I don't have a problem with that, any other. Some of you, you start accept that. You start calling that, that little healthy kid that God has given a sound mind, that God has blessed to be a world changer, instead of saying, you are a world changer. Some of you are walking around your house saying, oh no, you are autistic. And you, you even tell us neighbors, you want us to join in the choir. When we, we just came for dinner, that's what we came for. You want us to join. Do you know he's... I grew up, now I don't have you know, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was five million of us. And back in those days, they used to put 80 kids in one class. 80 of us. Out of all 80 kids, that's a big enough sample to, to, to do your research. Out of all 80 times six classrooms, it was 80 times A, B, C, D, E, F. Six, 80 times six. That's a lot of kids. Out of all them kids from my neighborhood, not a single one of them was, was I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying, don't be quick to call people things that God hasn't called them in his word. 
We were poor. They put 80 of us in a classroom, but we had enough sense not to put labels on children. We had enough sense to speak life into that situation. Instead of saying this one is like this, they would actually come and encourage us to change our behavior. Because they would tell us that's not what you're like. They knew that there was a power in confession. Now with all of our prosperity and all of our technology, it's like we're inventing new things to call people into the realm of death. It's time we turn that around. I feel I'm saying this by the Holy Ghost. It's time we turn this around. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. Some of you are going to get pregnant and they're going to tell you things that you should. Before they even get born, they're going to start giving you labels to call them. It's, man, don't buy, don't buy into that. Speak life. He was to say, oh, man, we see, we see. Man, I tried to look on that thing. We paid a lot of bucks. When we were pregnant with our first child, they told us, they said, we have new technology. You'll be able to actually see the baby and what they look like. I paid 2000 It still hurts me today. That was a long time ago. I paid 2380 Rand, I was hoping to go onto that machine and see little Munesu in a little dress and we were going to be able to see a little thing on her head and be able to say, okay, there's a baby. They put some jelly on, a, on my wife's belly. They put that thing on there. I could not black and white. That Man, there was nothing on it. Now, how are you going to tell me you can see based off of that what a child is going to turn out to be? No, I'm going with God's word. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Someone shout, my children are blessed. Some of you don't have children right now, but you need to practice. Amen. I said amen. Someone shout, my children are the head and not the tail. They are above and never beneath. They are talented, skilled, gifted, world changers. They will make headlines for the good with their gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. That's, those are the keys that God has given you. And we've got to learn how to raise them right. Amen. And if you're, if, even if they come out, last in class. In fact, it's because you're trying to get them to do stuff God didn't wire them to do for the most part. God didn't not everybody should do math. Man, I really feel strong. I just man, I'm telling you. Picasso didn't know how to do math like some of you. But we know Picasso. Amen. I said amen. Man, someone, you need to pay attention. That's what being a good steward of a family means. You got a scripture? Proverbs 2, 22, verse 6, in the Amplified Classic. Listen to this. Train up a child in a way you should go in keeping with his individual gift or bent. Did you see that? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of you, your kids, couldn't do math, and so they called them dumb. And you put that on them. And and as they grow older, they're going to embrace that as their new identity. Some of them can't do art. This this, this doesn't matter. God has called them to do music. Some of them, God has called them to do uh, sport. Man, we are all created different. And part of being a good steward as a parent is to make sure that you raise them up in what God has called them to be. Can I get an amen? I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for you have given us your word. So that we can speak it into existence. So that it may bring forth a creation. Lord, I thank you right now 
Just like you instructed us in Job 22, 29, that when there is a casting down, we shall say there is a lifting up. Lord, we thank you. Father, that you haven't called us just to be social commentators, but you have called us to be divine orchestrators. Lord, I thank you that we are changing our confession with regards to our relationships. We speak life into our marriages. We speak life into each other as husband and wife. We thank you, Father, that you are calling us up to speak into our finances. I am not broke. Someone shout, I am not broke. But I'm well supplied. Shout that, I'm well supplied. Someone shout, all my needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now I want you to make this commitment. Make this commitment and say, never again will I limit God. Amen. Some of you, God has, has convinced you that you'll never be a house owner. And you bought into that lie. Over here, God is trying to tell you, man, I want to give you houses you didn't build. But the market is trying to convince you you're not a house owner. I'm going with the word. Amen. So we speak to our finances. Someone shout, I speak life to my job, my career, my business. God will send customers. Even in this environment, we will have more business than we can carry. So that we can give opportunities to others. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I said amen. Man, I'm telling you. You, you just got to start speaking differently. And as you start to speak differently, you're going to start to think it's like a cycle. Think differently. As you think differently, you're going to speak differently. As you speak differently, you think different. Walk away real fast from people who say you can't do something. Amen. You know, uh, as we were starting out on this project to write songs, there was a thought in all of us that this is not for, for small churches like us. This is not, no, this is for the big ones, right? I said, no, no, <laughs> this is for us. We preach it. This, we're going to write them. I told them, I said, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. And that's been my life, my life motto everywhere I go. I tell people, hey, let's do this. And no one else will put their hand. I say, okay, don't worry. Let me show you. And it's not because I'm depending on me. I just know enough to know that God will make you do all things according to his strength. He was given us strength to be able to do whatever he has called us to do. Can I get an amen? And so, man, I'm telling you, you've got to start confessing a positivity. You've got to start confessing God's word. Whenever you're faced with a situation, go and find a scripture in God's word. Put that scripture in your mouth and speak it into that situation. Father, we thank you for these, your children. We thank you that this word is established in their hearts. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it will be made manifest in their lives. Healing, prosperity, provision, protection. Their lives can never be the same again. Their relationships never be the same again. They're going to learn how to minister one to another. Life and not death. In the name of Jesus we pray. And someone said amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.